All right. If you're all sitting comfortably, then we will begin. Well, hey there, fellow nerds and ne'er-do-wells. I'm AJ, and welcome back to the Adventurers Anonymous podcast, the home of improvised fantasy, fucknuggetry. Come join us week by week as a rotating cast of geeks sip cocktails, play Dungeons & Dragons, and seek a glorious death. Right, before we get going, I am duty-bound to remind you that the content from here on in is not suitable for little ears. What follows is mostly improvised and entirely inappropriate. Listener discretion, as always, is advised. Don't forget, you can get your greasy mitts on raw and uncut versions of these episodes by subscribing to Patreon. So get yourself over there for that and lots of other goodies. This week, I am, of course, joined by the usual crew of abject depravity. First up, we have a man often regarded as the Harold Shipman of otters, the Attenborough of animal atrocities. It is, of course, Matt Durant. How the devil are you? Wouldn't the Harold Shipman of Otters be an otter who was a doctor and killed his otter patients? Yes, in the same way that pigs in blankets, the pigs are wearing the skin of their friends. Oh, God. That's exactly the same. Exactly the same. And yeah, yeah, can't, can't argue with that. Belsier is, a, is wearing the skin of uh, a suit made out of bacon, when you put it that way. Well, there you go. How are you doing? You haven't even answered the fucking question. Um, it's doing fine until approximately ten minutes ago when the recording started. Okay. And then I entered a deep funk. A deep, deep funk. <laughs> He's been speedballing again, listeners. He's been speedballing. <laughs> okay, okay. Right, next up, we have a man who hails from a long line of rags. His ancient ancestors having fought off the neighbouring tribes, the cloths, the towels, and even the wipes to cement the rag dynasty. <laughs> that we see before us today is Mr. Chris Rank. I'm clearly the only person who found that amusing. How you doing? Well, as I mentioned before the podcast started, I really can't talk about my past. Um, okay. For, for money, for money legal reasons. Money legal reasons? <laughs> money legal. <laughs> Your past has been redacted. And of course, last but not least, we have a man who has single-handedly redefined the concept of being a woke millennial thirst trap. It's the one and only Chris Rag. How are you doing? So the, so that's the second Chris Rag on this podcast. Oh! And twice as nice. Twice as nice. Le, le, do you know, I can't tell the it's difference between them. from a long them. line of woke I'm millennial not... thirst traps. <laughs> he comes from a, a long line of woke millennial thirst traps. Jesus Christ. How are you doing, Mr. Neil? So I don't have to I'm, write you an intro, because... You're timeless. Uh, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Uh, I'm currently uh, currently dosed up to the max on Lentip, so uh, I don't Ooh. I don't quite know how to describe the feeling that is in my brain. Um, it, I feel like I'm marinating in in drugs while also just constantly constantly aware of how much I want to take a nap. Were you rubbing the Lentip onto your arrows when some went into your eye? No, how you I, like think, to... I think that was either my mistake or Tati's mistake. I mean, we, we should probably pause at this point, listeners. You may notice a distinct absence of someone here today, and it is worth noting um, Chanel, after the events of last week's episode, is taking some time out to work on herself. Um, she's currently climbing a mountain in Croydon to meet a yogi. Some time of reflection. Um, turns out, 
Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. So it turns out our couples counsellor said that I may have been projecting some of my unresolved childhood trauma onto Marvin when I quote unquote killed him in last week's episode. So uh, yeah, we're just we're just working through a couple of those things. But Chanel will return soon, don't you? Think? In in a way, he was, Marvin was yeah he. I think he kind of played the role of the uh, the the scapegoat in all this. <coughs> you motherfucker! Wow. Low hanging fruit. Well, if all we need is an escaped goat. <laughs> wow. Marvin got himself in quite the jam there. Anyway, right, but we need to show this goat the due respect that it deserves. Um, right, yep, that's why Chanel's not here. She She's she's off uh, working on herself. Uh, so, without further ado, go grab yourself a drink, pull your chair closer to the fire, and come join Chris, Raggy, Matt, and myself for this week's episode of the Adventurers Anonymous podcast. Who would like a recap? Me. And then we can actually get into things proper. And I can stop shooting shit. Right, let me find the recap. So, here we go, listeners. If you missed last week's episode, I do highly recommend you go back and listen to it because it was one of the funniest and most traumatic things I've ever had to fucking edit. Uh, I wasn't sure whether to laugh or cry whilst editing that episode down, but there you go. It's a thing that happened. Right, last we left off with our intrepid adventurers, they decided to collaborate with the masked vigilante known as the Bumblebee in their quest to topple the Stank Vineyard Estate and free the goblin slaves, specifically Toadflaps, the daughter of Mellifluence Beltcrack. If you can remember her, listeners, then you are an OG crunkfucker. And so, the party tooled up and began planning their raid on the vineyard, opting for an initial recce to gauge the lay of the land before engaging with force. Setting off in a carriage stolen from the Wixleys, they made their way to the perimeter of the Stank Estate, high up on a woodland bluff. Now, this is where things started to unravel for them. For reasons known only to themselves, Tati decided he would attempt to oil the tips of his arrows in peyote. But sadly, the bumpy carriage ride caused him to splash some of the potent hallucinogenic into his eyes, making him trip balls. Despite this fact, the party decided to press on with their recce at the vineyard high up on the bluff. But their observations were cut short when tragedy struck as Tatty managed to ride Marvin clean off the cliff face, plummeting through the tree line below. Belsia tried to be a hero, only to fluff his magical lines and plummet with them. And so it was. Tati hit the forest floor with a bone-shattering crunch, closely followed by Marvin, who hit the deck, dying instantly. Followed mere moments later by Belsia, who crashed through the branches, only to smash down on top of Tati, injuring him still further. And so, we must sadly take this moment to mourn the loss of one of D&D's finest Hercene heroes, Marvin, rescued from an animal shelter by Maud, loved and cared for unconditionally. Marvin dressed like a player, but behaved like a gentleman. Except that time he killed Jeremy, but that was purely in self-defense. Plus, he was never convicted, so technically it doesn't count. And it seems to me you lived your life like a candle in the wind, never fading with the sunset when the rain set in. And your hoofsteps will always fall here amongst this hallowed horde. Your candle burns out long before your legend ever will. 
And that is where we will pick up this week's episode. Cause I'm a rocket man. Rocket man. <laughs> Thousand candles <laughs> in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing that happened. And one thing that we should probably add is, whilst they were in the woodlands, on the edge of the estate, Mr. Chris Neal decided to throw some magic beans into the ground, and they grew to be Chris shrieking. Rag decided to throw some, throw some magic beans. Damn it. work on this shoot. It's almost like I don't know any. All right, yeah. we're just going to leave that in to make me look like a genius. Uh, Mr. Chris Rag, Hanash, threw some magic beans onto the forest floor in Marvin's blood to see what would happen and they sprouted into ginormous shrieking mushrooms so that's where we find ourselves currently as the players attempt to stay out of the way of a ginormous flying beast that was circling around the perimeter of the estate um, an eagle with the horns of a stag known as a periton can we get a I know that you sent the map last week can we um, if we can use that one if you if you like but can we get an idea of like the lay of the land like where we are and where the shriekers are well the problem is with all of that I don't have a map of your exact area because I wasn't planning on you stumbling right where you are but you are just off the bottom of the map you previously had uh, you're off the bottom right hand corner of it um, as to where the bird has gone, that's hard for you to say because nobody is high up anymore with a vantage point. You're low down on the forest floor. But you know it would be to the north of your position from where you last saw it, high up on the bluff. Um, so are we, are we are, near that building, the bottom right? Is that what you mean? No, you're near the rock, I think, from memory. There's a rock in the bottom right-hand corner. Oh, okay. oh right, yeah. And we're in those trees, is that right? We're yeah, under, the cover of, uh, under the cover of trees. Yeah, you're under the cover of trees. Yes, 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 yes. Right. You're, you're maybe 50 metres away from the edge of a tree line just on the bottom right-hand corner of the map. So I would say you're well covered and well hidden, but you currently have, from memory, something like 10 or 11 ginormous shrieking mushrooms, which which aren't particularly any... They're not a threat to you. They're not. They're more angry and passive than... Yeah, like, but they are... Pugnacious. Have they started? Have they started screaming already? because we're, we're fairly close the to pitch them. is starting to rise yeah you've got moments before they go off like a like a fire alarm okay um they're starting to they're starting to wail a little bit like babies and crying and there's a horrible guttural kind of baby kind of Wah! kind of coming from them at the moment um Hanush says did I do that so how how far away how far away are the shriekers from from all of us? I assume that Hanash is pretty close because he put the beans on the ground. And is yeah, well, all, all of you are still within relative. Like you're all very close to where Marvin splattered into the ground. You haven't. Uh, oh yeah. In yeah, the yeah. last in the last episode, Hanash walked to the edge of the tree line, observed the vineyard, and walked back. So you're all within ten feet or so of eleven rapidly growing shrieking mushrooms. A I think I never thought I'd say. I think in Tatty's in Tatty's like adult mind, the especially if there's if they're starting to like do like an almost like whisper scream at this point, the the shriekers. I think in Tatty's mind, he's kind of seeing um, a weird hallucination of like some goblins that he tried to save when he was a soldier and that ended up dying. Oh, yeah. Um, 
So he's like, he's he's like fully. Tati just shouts, "Run!" Because he's like, if he sees this, then he's like, he's just gonna freak out. Yeah, I don't know. I think I would. I think I would probably start running in the direction of where the trees go on the map. So like, almost heading north, but still trying to stay behind the tree line. As you see, Tati still high on the hallucinogenic peyote that he accidentally rubbed into his own eye socket as he sprints off, sweating profusely as Barbara chases after him. I'm going to wait until um, everybody else gets... um, until everybody else catches up to me and then I'm going to do something um, to get rid of the Shriekers but only once everyone else has got far enough away. Okay. Well, the trees are a good distraction for the griffin thing. It so, could like, be. Because like, if, they're, if they're making noise, then the griffin's over there and we're elsewhere anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, if they're only making noise while we're there, it doesn't doesn't really bother us I'm not. Much. I'm not sure who particularly wants a autopilot Maud, but remember, she is also shaped as a giant black periton at this point. She is. Oh. I think for the, sake of, for the sake of trying to stay in the tree line and stay hidden... Uh, she would bamf out of wild shape back into back into mord form. Okay, just for narrative sake, we'll say she bamps back out of her shape as she's holding. I believe in the last episode she sculpted um, Marvin, so she she did. She takes his skin, rolls it up a bit like Red Dead Redemption, where Arthur just skins any old shit and just rolls it in a heap and puts it into his bag, bleeding and <laughs> and all. Uh, so you look over on the ground and you just see the bones of Marvin as oh, Tatty runs off with with Lady in with Barbara in tow. Belsia, as you go to follow, you turn back and you see Maud is just staring blankly as the mushrooms are starting to the pitch is starting to they're, they're in a they've reached a concert C. They're slowly going through the octaves. Has has Marvin been Maud gathered Marvin up? Yeah, okay, so there's nothing to... There's nothing to bury. <laughs> uh, no. Mar- Maud has kept the bits of Marvin she wants, and Good. the bones what... splintered and all are on the deck. That's what he would have wanted. Um, let's grab Maud, and I say, Gotta go! He's dead now! As she looks down at a single sequined bloody booty that she has in one hand... She's like, I will have my revenge in this life or the next. As she smears a tear off her off her face, which just leaves a bit of blood from Marvin across her cheek. As she looks one last time where he was and she runs with you, catching up with Tatty, as the sound of shrieking mushrooms slowly drifts into the background as you, you put maybe 50 metres between you and the mushrooms as you join Tatty on the edge That's good. of the woodland. Can I, uh, can I slap Tatty and be like, what's up, man? What's up? And then I thrash him around. And like, it's like that, that scene on an airplane where that person gets slapped by about 50 different people. Oh, it's all. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'll, if you want me to make a roll, if I can try and snap myself out of this, then I will. But also, I'm conscious that uh, it probably lasts a little bit longer than this. <laughs> I will allow you to make a constitution saving throw, but being that this is hallucinogenic, let's just 
acknowledge that things can get better and worse if you roll really badly. Yeah. Um, a trip isn't a linear experience. Yeah, I was going to say, I think at this, I, I was going to say before we before we started, I think at this point now that the, almost like the adrenaline uh, has kicked up a little bit further from what it was before, like Tati's trip has gone from being quite pleasant and a little bit like escapee, escape, escapism-y to just being like a full-on horror trip where he's like, like seeing memories of like bad shit that happened. Um, okay. Do you say const? Do you say Constitution saving throw? Okay. 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 That is a sixteen. Sixteen. So yeah, you feel yourself with every moment that passes. You feel your grasp on reality is getting firmer and firmer. Although you still have this horrible dread in the pit of your stomach, which is the unknown, that you can't quite place your finger on what's going on, things are starting to become more familiar. As you look at Hanash, as you're slapped from side to side, and the face of your abuser is on the tip of your tongue, you know you know this person as he slaps you left and he slaps you right. (laughs) You're trying to work out if it's your father, or if it's one of your old military comrades, mm. but you can't quite put your finger on who's slapping around, but you're aware that this face is on the tip of your tongue and is getting ever closer to reality as you're still sweating balls. As you look over at the bark of the tree you're leaning on and it just feels so good as you just run your hand up and down the bark of the tree again and again and again, feeling the roughness of the bark. Sorry. Uh, I, something, something got in my got, got in got in my breakfast. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I think somebody spiked me. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right, man. And I'm still just stroking this this tree next to me. I, I like to freak him out. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, you look over. At, go, on, go. On. Uh, can I give him an antitoxin to see if I can uh, use that to clear his? Um, POT. Does that work? That's a really good point. Is he technically poisoned? Is it technically poisoned if you did it to yourself? <laughs> Do you know what? Just just for the... As a DM, I'm going to make a... Yes, I'm going to go with that as a thing you can do. I can't see why it's not a logical thing to try. Do you want me to like, roll like a medicine check or anything, or just go with... Like... Yeah, make, make, me a, make me a medicine check. Right, I'll take it out. I've, I've given it to him. I like chug this down, little slugger, uh, in a less menacing tone. <laughs> <laughs> gobble gobble, motherfucker! Gobble gobble. Uh, Eighteen. Eighteen. I will say, as you look over at Tatty, he's stroking the bark of the trees as you move around. As you look down into your pouch and you, you, you rummage around and you pull out a bottle of the antitoxin, as you look up just in time to see Tatty has grabbed a mushroom that's growing on the edge of a tree. As Tatty's ripped it off and is about to take a mouthful out of the mushroom, you slap it out of his hand, hold his nose, tilt his head back, and pour some antitoxin (laughs) down his neck. As Tatty coughs and splutters, and bits of green juice are dripping down his chin onto his leather jerkin. Um, Tatty, you're getting ever closer to reality as you place the face of Hanash in front of you. You're now slightly aware of your surroundings but still very much not quite feeling in control of your limbs 
as you walk around. A bit like a street-performing mime, you're walking around in a very odd fashion to everyone else, but to you it makes total sense. Mm. I'll say your perception is good, but your coordination is terrible, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Can I, can I hear the, um, the shriekers... No, you can still you can still lightly hear them. As all of you see a shadow flash across the ground by you as you look up and the wings of the beast high above the treetops fly over your head towards the shriekers as the periton goes to investigate the source of the howls and the shrieks. As the periton is now, as you've last seen it, 50 metres behind you. As you stand on the edge of the tree line, as you peer out through the trees, you can see the edge of the vineyard. And as we said in the last episode, there was a fence, a small, like, waist-high wooden fence, which the periton knows eating anything that crosses over that fence line. But the fence line is maybe 20 or 30 metres from the edge of the wood, so there's a nice cultivated gap for the periton to eat things. You'd have to cross that open gap with no cover to get to the, the fence line to... So, where the shriekers are, are they outside the fence then? Oh, yes. You're yeah, outside yeah. the fence, yeah. yeah. Um, can I turn to um, Eliza and just say, look, it seems like a recce is now off the, off the table. It seems like we probably should just do this now. Um, how, does, how does that feel for you? As the camera pans back round, Tati's trying to have a parlay with Eliza. Tati, you think you're leaning on a tree as you lean diagonally, resting. To everyone else, there's no tree there as you're just standing <laughs> diagonally, um, leaning on nothing. Um, as Eliza pushes you back to a, a vertical position, as your an- the strain on your ankles was starting to get intolerable as you leaned out at a, at a 45-degree strong, angle. Real fucking strong ankles. <laughs> Real strong ankles, this gnome. <laughs> As uh, the bumblebee looks at you and says, Well, it is good to see that you are slowly starting to join us again. Maybe next time be a little bit um, more careful how you handle dangerous chemicals. Plus, I am very sorry for your loss. I know what the goat meant to you and to Maud. She does not need another reason to hate me. And this is only going to make things more awkward. But if we're going to do this, I feel like maybe now is the time. Tati takes the information to him, new information about Marvin, and just files it in that little corner of his mind that he will get to later on. <laughs> Looking at the periton, like going down to where the shriekers are, he's like, "What do you think? Do, we, do you think we we take out the periton first, or do you think we we just head for the head for the estate and hope that it doesn't catch us?" Well, that is a very good question. The Periton is a mythical beast. It is by far a vicious and angry creature which knows no humanity. It will fight until it is killed, whatever whatever it can. It feasts on the hearts of its victims. It is a, a vicious and feral beast. But if we fight it, maybe we will draw more attention to ourselves. If we can make it inside of the fence line, there is a chance it will ignore us and assume we are part of the staff. It must have some kind of self-destruct button or override switch if we get inside the house. Find the control terminal and we can can shut it down, right? As you say self-destruct button, she just hands you a stick of dynamite. Oh. And she says, 
These creatures know no other way other than force and brutality. If you think sticking a finger up its cloaca is going to incapacitate it, you are very wrong, my crocoborn friend. We either negotiate our way around it or we take it on head to head. There are no middle grounds. Tati's gonna, Tati's mean, gonna look at look at Hanash and, and Belsiar and be like, "Well, what, what do you what do you think? I could go either way on this." I think we got two six dynamite, one in the cloaca, one in the mouth, and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joke. I joke. Right, it's party time. <laughs> <laughs> the day is rapidly getting on. Fighting a periton during the day is one thing. Fighting a periton at night is something completely different. Death from above, which you can see, is preferable to death from above, which you cannot. The swooping tacks of a periton are deadly. So we do this, or we don't. All right. Okay. So it's my my preference would be to crack on with this. So it's still it's still daytime now, though, isn't it? Oh yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're coming up to about midday-ish, just lunchtime. I guess my question is like, what's the objective here? Are we trying to burn down this farmhouse? Because if we are, then we're gonna have to fight this thing at some point. Well, that's the, that's what I'm thinking. It's like we want to get all, we want to get all the workers out, and this thing basically like picks them off yeah. when they try to escape. So I think we get rid of it, yeah, and then we deal with whoever mm. else is in the house that's gonna try and stop us. Tati's gonna take out an arrow, wheel around, um, and aim. At the Paraton. Shoot Hanash in the foot. <laughs> um, now, I remember what you did. No, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say. So you know, it's daytime now. There's nothing for it. I'll take out one of my new, my new magic arrows, and I'm gonna turn around and if the if the Paraton is still over there by the Shriekers, I think I'm just gonna attack it. Well. Several things, just to clarify, as a DM here, when you say magic arrows, are you talking about your flaming arrows, or are you talking about your peyote arrows? Well, I didn't think I had any peyote arrows, because it basically just I, I will say, for the sake of this, you've got one peyote arrow, because you did put stuff on. You did put peyote on an arrow, because you got it in your eye, you just didn't get very far with it. So Okay. I'll for, use your, my for your move. inventory's sake... You've got one heavily peyote arrow because most of the fucking bottle of peyote went across it. In your <laughs> if face. I ever touch it again, then we're going to do this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to yeah, use this my, is like I'm when you accidentally my... rub chili powder on the tip of your bell end. It is <laughs> yeah. just something. Yeah, we've yeah. All done exactly it. that scenario. We've all we've all done that, and yeah, uh... <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Cooking naked is a. I'm gonna I'm gonna use my flaming the ones with the, like the flames on. I think that was that was as far yeah, as yeah 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 yeah. And sorry, my other part of this is um, the tree. The reason that the periton is not chasing you down as well is because the tree line's reasonably thick, so you don't have a direct line of view back to it. Fifty meters, you'd have to go slightly. You're aware of where it is because you can hear it crashing around through the undergrowth, doing something with the shriekers. Okay, I will. Let me just check the map again. If I retreat further into the tree line, as if I was going right off the edge of the map, will I get a clearer sight of it? Or do I need to go, like, closer to the manor? If you want a clearer sight of the periton, you have to go back the way you've just came. So, down the map. Down off the bottom of the map, is it? Oh, right, so that goes, that goes down off the bottom of the map. Okay. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll go that way, 
Um, I think I'll try and stay hidden when I do it, though, if you want me to roll a stealth check. Okay. Uh, before you do that, what's everyone else doing in this scenario? My intention is to, to hit him where he lives, this guy, and okay. cast fly out myself. Oh my god. Okay. I asked uh, Bellstrap if he's got any, any more of that fly going around. <laughs> I, I do have um, potentially up to um, nine with my with my sorcery points up to nine flies so if anyone anyone wants to join me in the in the dazzling yeah, dervish yeah, waltz of like air combat anime metal music just starts now together we're walking in the air if you're down I'm down yeah I'm down I'm down is that a thing that's happening? Right. Oh, God. Right. I, I First of all, Tati, what did you roll for stealth? Uh, I got a 12 for stealth. A 12? Because I rolled a natural 2. <laughs> Amazing. As all of you watch Tati a little bit unsure on his feet, he takes one of his flaming arrows out of the quiver, knocks it um, on the string, and then he runs forward smashing into a tree bouncing off steadies himself and heads off completely unperturbed into the forest as after a while Tati you realise no one is following you as you look back and see Belsiar and Hanash running after you just shaking your head a little bit dizzy from the tree um, you look as their steps slowly raise off the ground as they start flying in the air you just shake your head trying to work out what's reality and watch peyote as you watch your two friends drift off fantastic (laughs) fantastic always been left behind (laughs) as you you feel something at your feet as you look down and barbara is with you barbara's got a look of concern on her face she's got a very low kind of mewling whine that sort of says are you okay? She's, there's a real concern for, from Barbara with you. You're not acting like your normal self. And Barbara is well aware of the fact that something is off with you and she can do very little to help. Maud is out the back looking wistful and sad. Uh, the, the, the bumblebee follows it with you, Tatty. As you look back, you just see Hanash picking up the piece of fungi that you were about to eat, Tatty, as he looks at it and tucks it into his robes as a snack later. As you will make your way back to the edge of the kind of clearing at the bottom of the bluff where Marvin turned into pink mist. As you now see some of you from high up and some of you from ground level, you see the periton has come down to the ground level and it's just smooshing the screeching mushrooms a bit like a whack-a-mole it's just smacking away at them and there's bits to to anything that you put anywhere and just going yeah (laughs) the the periton is angrily smashing away Uh, it thought maybe at first it was going to get a meal and then it's realised it's at a vegan mushroom buffet as (laughs) it's just smashing um, as a lot of you hear that kind of uh, low key screaming of the mushrooms as some of them are deafened, uh, deadened out the noise of the screaming mushrooms as the, as the periton smashes its way through them you see it's currently facing away from you and it's distracted it's got a bit of mushroom caught in one of its antlers 
from where it's been pissing about with mushrooms. Cool. I guess Belsia, do if I if I let go of your hand, do I do I drop or do I keep on flying? <laughs> I say nothing. I just wink and I take my hand away. <laughs> <laughs> and you continue flying. <laughs> you keep flying uh, for up to up to ten minutes, I think it is. Oh awesome. I think once once I'm in range of the Periton, I'm just gonna use my steady aim to give myself advantage and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fire. Let's kick this shit off. Just for the sake of this, your coordination is down, so normally you'd have I'll say you have disadvantage on anything with coordination arrows, but this will even out and you'll just get a normal roll as the advantage and the disadvantage will, will even each other out. So you're, you you want that as a surprise round. The moment you do that, the Periton will know that you're, you will all roll initiative. I think I'll, I think I'll look around at, at everyone, uh, you know, everyone that's on ground level and then fucking mm-hmm. look for the people that are flying about <laughs> above me, uh, just to make sure everyone's ready and then I'll, I'll go ahead and fire and kick this off. My dice scare me. Hmm? Uh, okay, so I'm just rolling. I'm just rolling flat for this attack because usually I would have disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Damn! Uh, I got a fourteen. Fourteen to hit. Hit. What kind of arrow is this? Just out of interest. This is the. This is the. Uh, the flaming arrow. The flames one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, hang on. My pen has run out, listeners. This is disturbing. Where's my other pen? One sec while I get a pen that works. Shout out to Bic, the official pen provider for Adventures Anonymous. <laughs> Bic, write things. One sec, I'll be right back. I can your pen. Oh, we're not going to get very far. If 14 hits, I will fully shit myself. Sorry about that, listeners. I my pen ran out, and I had to get another one. This is a real podcast with real consequences. Uh, you rolled a fourteen. Got a fourteen. You got a fourteen. That hits the periton. Tell me what damage it does, and then everyone's going to roll initiative. Well, I'll roll regular damage, and then you tell me if the fire arrows do anything extra because I don't have any anything about them. Oh, okay. Uh, it does normal. It uh, does normal. Piercing damage plus D4 fire damage. A D4 of fire damage. Oh, cool. Um, I will... Do you need me to separate that damage for you? I do, yes. Yes, please. Okay. In which case... I'll roll this first. Um, I don't... I don't get anything because I wasn't firing with advantage and that makes me so sad. Okay, so that's nine piercing damage and look at that, three times to make sure that it's still the same number and that is one fire damage. Sizzle, motherfucker. As you look at Tati, Hanush, you're high up, Belsia, you're high up. Hanush, there's still some part of you that's giddy and excited because you're flying through the air. You're, you're, you're only half paying attention. As you look over, Tati, swaying from side to side, knocks an arrow, pulls it back as a gout of flame flies through the air like lit kerosene as it thwaps into the arse of the periton. As you hear her, 
as you you can you can smell like burnt feather and hair is disgusting um as the periton whips round locking eyes with the sweaty gnome i need all of you to roll initiative and whoever wishes to autopilot maud whoever wishes to autopilot aristobulus just let me know i'm more than happy to autopilot um the bumblebee um matt do you want to take aristobulus and i'll take maud yeah do, na- do natural 20s count for anything on an initiative or is it just number i think it's just, just a number, number. Oh. unless, unless i've always played it as just a number yeah okay uh anyone got 25 to 20 yeah 21 21 well done top of the round hanash uh, directly uh, so 20 to 21 15 to 20 yeah uh, Tati got 19 so did the bumblebee so the bumblebee and Tati are on 19 what did you get um, Belsia uh, 18 18 that's Belsia uh, what did I just say 10 to 15 yes Aristobulus uh, 5 to 10 Nope. Uh, the periton got five. <laughs> Maud, Maud got uh, a zero. Old, zero. T- big old four. And then Maud, who's so grief-stricken, she's still swaying around. Right, Hanash, as you look down at the screaming beast, which hasn't technically seen you, it's a good twenty feet beneath you. As, a, as you stand in the boughs of a tall tree, you look down as the periton is currently locking eyes with the sweaty gnome. As it does, it's twerking, trying to get an arrow out of its rump. Right. Question. Yes. Can I go specifically for a wing to try and stop its ability to fly? Or is that not possible? Uh, there'll be a modifier to your hit roll if you want to try and hit something specific. It'll make your hit chances harder, but you can try. Okay. So I'm flying, I'm flying... I do superhero landing. Three point landing. Yeah. Uh, one knee. <laughs> and then I use the morning star to try and break its wing. So I get a 17. I don't know what you want me to remind myself for going for a specific thing. Or do I just roll at disadvantage? I'll say if you want to, I'm just for the sake of trying to keep this moving along, and I'm sure rules purists will tell me that I'm probably wrong here. I'll say if you want to hit something specific, uh, roll with disadvantage, and we'll keep the same hit. Right. I'm sure purists of the rules are going to be in the comments telling me that there's a whole mechanism uh, in the rule book. 17 is the... Yeah, 17. Is the lower? Uh, yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, yep. As you hit its wing, yep. Uh, so I do 13 damage on my first attack 13 damage with your first attack um, can I scream at it try and get it to scream back at me <laughs> I go <laughs> I could say you could scream at it as a bonus action yes I don't think it takes much energy to scream at something right That's I scream at it as a bonus action I straight away light the dynamite hoping it's going to scream back at me it does scream back at me now hang on can you do your multi-attack is just on like finesse weapons or whatever you could you could do one of them as like oh did you just get two blanket attacks I get two attacks per action yeah yeah I'll allow it because it's fun 
Thanks. Uh, so yeah, I like the dynamite, and if it opens its mouth, it goes in its mouth. <laughs> if not, <laughs> are you holding your action? Are you holding lit dynamite on the proviso? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna put it somewhere on it, and, and no matter what. But ideally, if it opens its mouth, I put it in its mouth. Otherwise, I just probably like roll it under it. <laughs> I mean, you've got, you've got. Just for the sake of the mechanics of the rules, this is six seconds that you have to take your turn. So you're going to have to make a choice about. You've just lit a piece of dynamite in your hand. <laughs> you're going to need to. You've got about six seconds to tell me what you're doing with it, or it's going to blow your arm off. Okay, I'm going to roll it under it, and I've got a shield. So then I'm going to like. I'm going to step as far away as kind of my bonus action without disengaging and giving it an opportunity attack. And I'm going to like hide behind my shield. As you roll the dynamite underneath it, it makes me a dexterity saving throw, and we'll see what happens. God. I love it. Come on. Yeah! 19. 19. Uh, roll me a d20. Uh, 15. 15. Okay. So as you light the dynamite, you and the bird look at each other, your eyes locked as you can almost see fear in the whites of its eyes as the dynamite rolls underneath it as it pecks around trying to get the dynamite you're blown backwards bouncing off a tree bits of pine needles and sap raining down on you as the bird is shrouded in a cloud of acrid grey smoke as you look for the longest time to see whether it's dead and then slowly a beak comes out of the midst of it um, you've done yourself no damage, but you're lying on your back about ten feet away, and you are very, very sore. No doubt giggling to yourself. <laughs> Is that your turn? Yeah, that's me. Uh, that's me. That's you. I, I, I give it a wink as a last thing, but yeah. You give it a wink. <laughs> the bumblebee is next. As the bumblebee runs up into close combat uh, with the periton dashing into the smoke you see the wreath of smoke flying parting as the bumblebee charges towards the periton and you hear her scream you shall feel my sting always on brand prick (laughs) (laughs) she rolls a six as she goes to stab the periton in the chest it jumps backwards um, flapping its wings as she just hits clean air as she's left standing wreathed in black dynamite acrid like nitrous smoke as Tatty you're up next you've, you've currently got the bumblebee standing between you and the and the paratron cool. um, so the the um, the bumblebee would give me sneak attack for being within melee range cool I just won't have advantage um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use steady aim again to give myself advantage which would which would even it out as a flat roll um, and I'm gonna fire again I mean why not why not eh treat yourself yeah that's a 25 to hit definitely hits Boom! I think this time I'll just use a regular arrow rather than rather than the fire arrow. 
Uh, from here on in, can you declare which one you're <laughs> firing before you fire it? Chopped. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, as a rules period. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it would probably be more annoying if once I'd hit, I was like, and actually I'm going to use that to, arrow. To, to, to be fair, you're, you're, you're partially high. You're probably grabbing things out of your quiver and just fucking firing them and being <laughs> happy for it. Yeah. Sixteen damage. Okay. Out loud, mental nuts. Must be done. Cool. I think if you, if you don't hit, that was a stick. That was an arrow. <laughs> I think bonus action. I'm, uh, I'm just going to try and hide behind either a tree or if there's any other bit of cover I can get, I'll do that. If you want me to roll, as you go to duck behind a tree, you bump into Aristobulus as he's like, "This is my cover. Fuck off!" As he shoves you out of the way, and you have to get behind another tree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a big twenty-four for stealth. So uh, I stealth. I stealth into another campaign. I think Barbara's just gonna try and get some cover somewhere. Probably take the dodge action in case it comes for her. Okay. Okay, Belsia, you're up. Um, like the X-wings in A New Hope, I'm gonna like do like an attack run. Wow. Another way you had the whole of history, you had the Red Baron, or Spitfires, or an F-16, or anything, but you went for Star Wars as your yeah. cultural reference. Yeah. And I'm going to use something I haven't uh, whipped out in a while. Not Ice Knife. Your cloaca. But my, my cloaca weapon. Uh, my breath weapon. I'm going to go full dragon. I'm going to show him what your the, breath the, weapon. The, the dragon in Dragonborn means with my breath weapon. Or breathen. Um And it's got like... Ah. So... It has to make a dexterity 13 saving throw. 14. So it saves. Yeah. It gets half damage. And that is half of... Uh, I rolled really off once. 13, so 6.5? 7? Does it roll up? Round up? 7, so round it up. Yeah. So you're going for 7 damage. Sorry, can I just clarify, what is it? Poison? Is it fire? Is uh, it... Fire damage. Okay. Is that you done? Where's that Where's that left you? What range are you to it now? Presumably within <laughs> 30 feet. Okay, so you're 30 feet above it. Okay, Hanash is 10 feet away from it on the floor. The bumblebee is right next to it, just about not getting singed, as she looks up and waves her fist at you as you're 30 feet above it. Okay, that now makes it Aristobulus's turn. Aristobulus is... See, it's, it's hard not to just to go straight for spiritual weapon. It is. But I think he's going to cast... Uh, bless on just so happens to be the, the, the three people here today Hanash, Tati and Belsia amazing so everyone gets a extra d4 on attack rolls or say first fuck yeah Tati as you see a small crown of light spinning around your head you can't work out what the fuck it is as you're swatting at it like flies as you're like you realise you're in cover and you don't like the fact that the little, like, fairy lights have lit up on you from the bless. Get away! 
<laughs> and try and twat them away. Okay, is that Aristobulus' turn? Yeah, and just to stay in character, he makes a lewd comment about 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 aubergines. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. <laughs> yeah, we'll is fine. Hey, as as Aristobulus <laughs> does something beautiful for everybody he looks down at the sticky substance on his hand and just tries to wipe it off on his trouser as he picks up two leaves off the forest floor which are now stuck to him via some weird sticky thing he got off um jaunty um everything is still sticking to him right it is indeed the periton's turn the periton is angry beyond belief there's a horrible acrid stench as it's you you've basically um you've you've turned its undercarriage into ash and cinder with dynamite um, it's not particularly happy about that as it looks around the first thing it sees is the bumblebee um, first of all it is going to make a goring attack with its mouth Oof. which it gets 18 to hit and it is going to do Jesus Christ it's going to do 11 points of damage It'll do 11 points of damage with its gore attack, and then it's got a multi-attack. It's going to use its talons to attack, which is going to be a 15, which also hits. And that is going to do 2d4. Does 8 points of damage. Jesus Christ. First of all, it pecks at the bumblebee, its beak gouging into her shoulder as she lets out a howl as its claw comes up and swipes at her thigh opening her leg to the bone as she falls down backwards she's looking in some degree of pain as she rolls on the floor as the beast takes off up into the air as it's now up with you Belsia it's not technically fighting you but it's at the same level as you are about 30 oh, feet up in the tree really line close. would would the bee get an attack of opportunity on it unfortunately um, things don't get it has a uh, ability that means when it takes off it's immune to the tax of opportunity it's one of its abilities right that leaves the bumblebee rolling around on the floor holding on to her thigh as blood oozes and bubbles out of a wound in her thigh on the forest floor we go to Maud's turn aha well, I was going to use entangle but I don't think that will work now that how far off the ground is it 30 feet okay that's not going to work Okay, uh, Maud's gonna run up and cast Fairy Fire on it, so it needs to make a dexterity saving throw. Needs to make a dexterity. What's her range on that? Sixty feet. So she'll Oof, she'll move nice. forward to to be within range. It got a three for dexterity. <laughs> so any attack roll uh, against it has advantage. For the next minute, and it's a concentration spell, so I'll keep an eye on keep an eye on mods uh, if she gets attacked, and okay. I'll make sure she stays at concentration. And then, as a as a bonus action, Maud is probably just gonna s- scream something at it. Again, we can fix this in post. Yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> uh, you are not the direct object of my rage, but but right now you are the object of my rage. Ah! <laughs> my grief counselor has said I shouldn't take this out on you. I shouldn't project my anger. 
Yeah, my therapist will hate me for this. I'm going to rebuild you for my therapy time. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, okay. Perfect. Right, that is a full round um, as we loop back round to Hanash at the top. Okay, so it's in the air. I've still got the ability to 30 fly. 30 feet above you. As you lie on your back, staring up through the tops of the trees, you can see it above you. So I, I stand up and I just like, kind of crack my neck. And then and then I'm going to do like the, the Thor thing where like I whip my morning star around so it's like super fast. And I fly up and I hit it in its dickhead face. Uh, and I'm going <laughs> to take a five, five hit on the hit dice for an increased damage of ten. And I've got the advantage of my the fairy flyer. Fairy flyer, yeah. Uh, so, and you get a D four. And you have blessed. And you have blessed for D four. Ah, sick. D four. No, yeah. The uh, sharpest ones. Is it, do these included my advantage? No, I think you just roll one. Just roll. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Three. Right. So fourteen plus nine. Three minus five. Eighteen. Eighteen hits. Cool. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, uh, 21 damage. 21 damage. God almighty. It cracks to his beak. You see its beak is a little bit wonky. You've almost, like, put its nose out of joint. It's clearly not very happy about this. Well, for, it's not going to be happy about this. not this one. So I'm going to go for its wing again, the same one that I got before. And this time, I'm going to use fly to spin around, like... Um, on the horizontal axis, really quickly, yeah. and I'm going to hit hit it in its uh, in its side. And because I had advantage, but I roll at disadvantage for hitting a specific place, do I just roll yeah. normally? Just roll normally, yeah. The advantage and disadvantage yeah. even each other. Oh, and I get the you get the blessed as well. Uh, so that is six, seven, eight, um, <laughs> sixteen <laughs> to hit. Sixteen to hit. Hit. Cool. This creature's having a tough old time of it. Uh, I got a nine damage. Nine damage? Nice. For my bonus action, I go horizontal with my arms by my head and float off, saying, see you later, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but not, not so far that I get to say attack of opportunity. I get you. I get you. <laughs> it's now the bumblebee's turn. As the bumblebee is lying on the floor with blood bubbling out of her fucking leg as she crawls backwards towards you, Tatty, on her ass, leans against a log by you, unstops a healing potion and pours its contents down her throat. Um, oh, God. <laughs> as the healing potion just starts dribbling out of the wound in her shoulder because it doesn't have as much effect as she would have hoped. <laughs> but uh, it, has, it has some effect. Yeah. <laughs> healing healing potions don't always That's why they give you the stopper you take the stopper out you put it in the wound and then you drink it <laughs> she gets some degree of healing from it not as much as she was probably hoping for as she looks over at you she's like spits blood out of her mouth as she's like give it hell can do <laughs> the most perfunctory response ever <laughs> Is that my go now, did you say? Yeah, yeah, you're up. Ooh, baby. Um, so it's in the air. Um, Hanash is within melee range of it. I'll do, I think I'll do the same thing again. I'll use steady aim to 
Well, I've, I've already got advantage on it, so I don't need to do that. Uh, I think I'll, I'll bonus action Hunter's Market. Yep. And I already have advantage from Fairy Fire, so I'll get Sneak Attack from Hunash. So I'll just roll and, and see if I hit. That is a 17 to hit. Hit. Ooh, baby. Uh, 4d6 plus 5, I think. Yeah. 19 damage. 19 damage. Very nice. Um, and then I'll I'll just, I don't know, get back behind cover. As you crawl back behind cover, it is Belsiar's turn. So as you look through the tops of the trees, you see the periton in front of you and you see Belsiar. Belsiar, you see Hanash leaning backwards in some sort of pervy reclining position, just leg cocked to one side, floating in the treetops. Is everyone out of 20 feet range? Except Hanash. Except Hanash. He's never stopped him before. He's never stopped me before. <laughs> I've never been more nervous in my life than when Matt does that laugh. I'm like, well, I'm thinking like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about using fireball, and I'm thinking, well, I'll just use careful spell, um, okay. and then and then Hanash won't be affected. Except with fireball, it's not like ice knife. Um, you just take. Half of eight d six fire damage. Yeah, it's pretty uh, so. You're still getting at least half of the uh, half of the half of <laughs> I the fire. Like that's not swayed you. It's like yeah, I love that. That's the I love that. That's the decision making process. It's not. It's not. So I'm not going to do that. It's so. This is this is the damage that's going to come your way. Oh, this is going to hurt how much? Oh well. <laughs> Dear diary, I was feeling fiery today. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dear so anyway... diary, no one would let you use fireball today. <laughs> <laughs> you can use it if you want. Don't feel bad. Your Hanash isn't hurt. You're not like bleeding visibly, right? This isn't going to kill you. No, he was up on the top. I'm of not the... taking any damage, but I'm sure you could take a little, a little damage for the team. Marvin's looking rough, but everyone else is. <laughs> we can edit that out in post. Please do. <laughs> I might keep that in for the patrons. Yeah, Belsiel's made a snap judgment that for the the benefit of the massive power of, of Fireball, Hanash can maybe take a little bit of, of damage. The good of the many outweighs the... Yeah. The, as, yeah, as I don't think it's there. even an attack roll, is it? I think I think it just needs to make a it's saving, saving throw. It's just a saving throw, yeah. So, no, actually, no one has to. I target it, so yeah, I just target it. So Hanash is outside the twenty foot radius. I was going to say you, yeah. can, you can send it. You can send it past it so that it explodes yep. and just yeah. Yeah. At the last minute, instead of instead of killing Hanash, I think, oh no, that's a better way of doing it. So what's it? What kind of saving throw is it going to make? Uh, dexterity 13. 12. So it fails. It got 12. So... I don't have enough dice. <laughs> That's... 12... 18... 
and what's 18 plus 8? Num- numbers 26. 26. 26 plus my bless, which gives me oh, an wait. extra I don't, I don't one. Know. I don't think bless. I don't think bless adds to damage. I think it's just attack rolls. Yes, you're right. I'll take that one off. So that's 26 damage. As it goes up in a massive ball of flames, you hear it screaming as it drops out the air slightly as it manages to catch itself. It's just wreathed in rings of fire. It's not looking happy at all. It looks like a Thanksgiving turkey that's been in the, left in the oven too long. Now, it is not in its happy place. Right, Aristobulus is going. Uh, that's also me. Um, how far away is it from Aristobulus? From 30 feet. It'd be a shame not to use some of these tins of prison sweet corn. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ar- Aristobulus weighs up a tin of sweet corn. Thinks he can just about make it. Okay. Um, How do you want to do this? Or <laughs> <laughs> even How do you want to do it? Maybe an acrobatics. More acrobatics because it's about dexterity and the angle of it. Yeah. Maybe an acrobatics check. Come on. Four. <laughs> what did I get? Four. Four. As the creature looks, its head slowly turning towards Aristobulus, he pulls back his arm, cocks it in place, gripping the tin of. Sweet corn, as you see his knuckles turn white as he goes, Come on, baby, one last time. As he hurls it through the air, it whizzes, just skimming past the cheek of the periton as it just goes bounding through the forest canopy. Um, <laughs> you hear a muffled scream somewhere in the distance as some form of wildlife has just been bludgeoned to death. The periton looks angrily at Aristobulus. What else is he doing? Um, cowering in fear. Not happy at, at, the, at the the way this has gone. He just jumps behind a tree. Is that the end of his turn? Uh, yes, yes. At this point, the Periton, feeling fully sorry for itself and wishing that it had never engaged with the screaming mushrooms, you see the burnt form of the Periton struggling to get purchase on the air with its wings as it flaps again and again and again slowly getting height as it disengages from the fight and you see it take off Belsiar has set fire to the canopy at the top of the trees with his fireball as you see the periton go through the top of the canopy and out into the air as it leaves the fight and bugs out heavily wounded and looking in a very nasty shape for its own sake, it realises it has nothing more to gain from this fight. As it leaves you all, as it flees the battlefield, as you all look around... Can I try and take one more shot? Tatty, do a hunter's mark. Can I, can I do one more shot to see if I can take it out? With disadvantage. With disadvantage. Come on, okay. make up for last week. Your, your dice owe you. Some hot dice, baby. Hot dice. Up needs new pair of shoes. 14 to hit. Oh, I don't get sneak attack or anything, so 
Uh, I'll say I'm using no. I'm using a normal arrow as well because I would have said fire, but I can't. I can't make that decision now. What's my damage? Okay, it's not going to be much. Damn! Six damage. Well, it only had four health left, so <laughs> Aristobulus. Aristobulus was going to possibly have taken it out. He was yeah, not happy. As you see it take off through the canopy wreathed in flames as you look up through the gap, the small gap which it's taken off on. Everyone looks at Tatty as he sways backwards and forwards like a drunken sailor <laughs> as he knocks the arrow, fires it. It goes up in an amazing parabola going completely above the beast, reaching the zenith and coming back down as it twats into the back of the head of the periton as the periton almost unaware of what it does warbles in the air hangs for a while as you see the periton glide out of the air before it loses control of its muscles as you see it just tank somewhere out of the tree line you have no idea which way it went just for um just for completeness sake I, I forgot that I had Hunter's Mark on it as well so I rolled another d6 of damage and I got a 1 so I rolled I rolled a <laughs> 1 on my original damage which was plus 5 to get 6 and then I rolled another 1 so can I because I'm in the air can I see where it landed yeah as we're out of combat now um, I will say as you rise up through the tree line being careful not to set fire to yourself with the flaming boughs of the tree you look over <laughs> and you see it's tanked it down in the middle of the vineyard as goblins are running in all directions can I can I fly to it please and can I use my great axe to cut off its head ooh I can't see why not I mean we're outside of combat you can do whatever you want leaving your friends uh, in the edge of the wood you fly off over the vineyard you just see goblins beneath you like pointing as they all run in different directions some of them are all dancing a bit like Ewoks at the end of Return of the Jedi where they're all kind of like dancing around as the (laughs) Death Star blows up Um, some of the goblins are dancing around the corpse of their oppressor Um, as you come thwomping into the ground hitting the deck kicking up dirt off you know squelching grapes underneath you as the goblins all back off slightly in awe of you like you've landed like some sort of Adonis or god uh, as you walk forward uh, do you know what just because this is fucking d and I'm going to make you make a check when you take its head off I'm going to say make me a pure strength check sure pure raw unbridled strength and aggression 12 12 as you pull back and swing you crunch into it your axe jamming deep into the bone muscle of its neck your your your, your axe is well and truly wedged in there at the moment can i pull it out yeah, sticking your knee up on it, your leg up on it, hefting back, you rip out a line of gore and, you know, blood flicking back across the goblins behind you who, like, skitter away amongst the vines as you take another, have another roll. Cool. <laughs> Seven. Seven. I'm getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> as you get tired, 
your axe crunching down on it. Its head is now just held on by a flap. It's, it's just a little bit of flap of muscle. You've gone clean through its spine and vertebrae, holding on by the muscle. I, I use my morning star to hit down on the axe that's already already in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going to mallet this some bitch. As at first, whatever goblins were left were in amazement. You're slowly losing the crowd as they realise you're not quite the the kind of like cool superhero that they were hoping for. You're just a mere mortal like them. As you rip the head free, put your axe back and your morning star back. As you tear the head and what's left of it off, as you hold on to one of the antlers, the head is big. I mean, it's big. Um, you can. You can carry it, you're a strapping lad, but, you know, it's a bit like carrying around a bull's head or something like that, you know, it's not it's not a light affair. I, uh, I, w- I want to, like, get my Adonis back, so I kind of raise it, I go, BOGORY! To all, like, the goblins. I think, um, if, if, uh, if Hanash has been doing that, Tati would like to make his way to where he is if he's in the, like the centre of the ground and if there's any goblins running around looking scared um, I'd love to I'd love to shout out to them in goblin uh, because I speak goblin I'm going to say you, you're, you, the, the, the face of your oppressor is dead watch, watch as its head is cleaved from its body uh, run run from this place uh, you you are no longer slaves, uh, and then maybe time it to, to end <laughs> the point where Honash is like, "Fuck <laughs> So make make me make me a performance check. Um, I'll say do it at disadvantage because you're still coming off the. No, nah, you know, just do a straight performance check. If you can hit a fucking creature, you can with a bow and arrow. You can stand there and make a speech, I suppose. Can I do persuasion instead? What are you trying to persuade them to do? To not be scared and not think okay. that we are bad people. Okay. Yep. It's going to be a yes. tough one. <laughs> Dirty 20. Dirty 20. As they all around at the half-orc, which is hacked and hacked and hacked at the neck, using brute force and, you know, kind of like feral anger as he tears the head free and holds it above him the viscera dripping out the back of the periton down the front of Hanash they all look over as a tiny pallid little form of a sweaty gnome comes out between the vines stands on top of an upturned wheelbarrow wiping perspiration off his forehead as he makes an impassioned plea as you start (laughs) not quite a Wesleyan revival but you're heading in that direction as some of the goblins start gathering Hanash as you have the head above you um, you look up and on the edge of the estate you see the shape of a lady on a small pony who's watching all of this going on as as her horse turns and rides back onto the manor so she's riding she's not riding towards us she's riding towards the house yeah she rides back and you can't see her she's gone okay I'd like to take my dagger and uh, relieve the head of its insides, if possible. You'd, you'd like to take what and relieve? I'd, I'd like to take the insides of, of the, the, the head, the psych head, and I'd like to... Well, you see what I'm thinking is why it's a war head, war mask, when I get into the estate. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. 
This kids is why you study hard at DM school because one day someone's going to ask you some really fucking weird like can I can I make French toast out of a goblin's foreskin or something like right yeah I see exactly what you want to do do you know what I'm going to say make me oh god this is Really sleight of hand, because it's kind of like butchery. Yeah, I'm going to say sleight of hand. Yeah, it's a dexterous thing, mm. isn't it? So, yeah, sleight of hand. Although uh, there's nothing yeah. really delicate about what you're doing. I get a 15. A 15? It's mm. this beautiful speech from this sweaty, pallid gnome on one side on an upturned wheelbarrow. As they all look from him, who's giving like Churchill's wartime speech, <laughs> as they look back to you, as you're elbow deep with a dagger, almost like a toddler making a pumpkin lambkin. You're literally like <laughs> just like flinging shit out. Um, at one point, ripping the tongue from the back of the skull out of the front of the mouth and just flopping it over your shoulder as you just keep on scooping and scooping and scooping uh, until you just have this gelatinous mess on the floor next to you. The the periton's tongue lolled over your shoulder and, you know, this couldn't be further away from that scene in one of the Predator films where it's kind of polishing the skulls and it puts them all on the trophy rack, you know, does it immaculately. This is very much like, like, um, yeah, just feral butchery. A bit like, you know, I don't know. I, I may, I'm actually currently replaying Red Dead Redemption 2 at the moment on, on, the, on PS5. And uh, I love the way when Arthur skins an animal, there's no finesse in it. He literally just jams a knife in and just like... <laughs> goes, you see, you can, tell, you can tell from our description of it that we've been playing Witcher, <laughs> which is the game where when you, oh, you choose yeah, trophy, yeah, 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 yeah. the game doesn't God, show you I miss what the Witcher. You just see a knife. God, man, I need to replay <laughs> The Witcher 3. It's my favourite game of all time. Can I take a look around to see if I can see any of the the members of the Stank family that um, that Eliza had mentioned to us? Uh, yeah, make me a perception check. Do you want me to do it at disadvantage? Investigation. Sorry, make me an investigation check. Do you want me to do it at disadvantage still? No, I think your 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 coordination is ganky, but your perception, I think, is okay. That is a. 22. You look everywhere. You're looking over the tops of the heads of the goblins who are all enraptured by your speech. You look off, scanning the lines of um, grapes on the vines, looking up towards the manor house at the top of the hill. And the, the, you, you, you look everywhere, and the, the lady on the horse who was once there is gone now. There's, there's no one who you can see, unfortunately. I think if, if everyone else is kind of caught up to us in the centre of the manor grounds, um, I'll turn around to Eliza and everyone else and just say, well, I can't see any of the stanks out here. I figure we head inside and see who we can find. You see coming through the, vin- the vines, um, you see the rest of the party, which I presume you're with, Belsia, as you see... The bumblebee is leaning heavily on Maud. Maud is propping up the bumblebee as she she limps. She's got a dirty rag wrapped around her her thigh, which is blood-soaked, um, as she, she hobbles into view. The goblins starting to retreat a bit at the sign of this. You see the goblins all kind of like skitter off amongst the vines um, as they're not idiots. They've been treated badly and they know what's coming. 
as you're all reunited in the center of the vines as you know Belsia you look over at the headless form of the periton and you look over at your friend who's now covered in gore and viscera we're holding a hollowed out periton skull that is where we're going to pause for a very quick drinks break as we do need to punch it we've only got about half an hour left on the clock back here in a minute just going to refresh drinks and we'll carry on with the storyline You guys are so jammy, it's ridiculous. That periton was going to fly off. It genuinely had four health points left, and I thought, this would be beautiful. Aristobulus is going to do him in with a <laughs> tennis week on. And then, you know, sometimes D&D's got like a beautiful, I don't know, symmetry to it, or a beautiful kind of like way. I thought, what a nice moment. Just the sad thing is that Teradon had one day left till retirement. He did. Yeah. <laughs> It was also caring for an LD periton that was going through a tough time. Yeah. Um, it's also yeah. got a newborn periton. Mm. Somewhere there's just a nest of little, you know, periton chicklets just squeaking up into the air, little antlers, stubs of antlers that haven't quite turned into proper, like, stag's antlers. They're just like tiny little, tiny little nubbins in their heads. They'll join the council of other orphans that we created to yeah. come back and attack us. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, that's a that's a genuine thing, yeah. Okay, we've only got about 25 minutes left on the clock if we want to finish on time. So I suggest we pick back up with the storyline, which sees the adventuring party bang in the middle of the vineyard. It's a beautiful vineyard that's been in the Stank family for hundreds of years, many generations. Splot down in the middle of it, because splot is a word, sploosh down in the middle of it is this ginormous corpse of a periton that's crushed a whole line, you know, several rows of, of vines. Um, as the half-orc stands triumphantly holding above the severed head that he's scooped out for reasons God knows what he's going to do with it um, covered next to a pile of gore as, as you all stand there almost in a in a huddle kind of like supporting each other um, you've all been through a hell of a lot in the last hour or so this went from being a very quiet recce on a on a, on a mountain bluff to to being uh, getting fist fucked by an eagle very very rapidly I think we did pretty well you've, you've handled yourselves with such a plum I think um, yeah I think Tati's just going to say I guess we've I mean we've taken out their guard dog let's just let's head inside and and see what we see um, if we have to kill these people I don't I don't really I don't really care they're slave owners. Um, I don't think anyone needs to feel bad about what 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 we've done today. And I look over at Unash, <laughs> holding or wearing the head of the. I'm not wearing. Yeah, yeah. Unash, what are you yeah, doing with this thing? It's clean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, are no, you tra- no. are you trying to wear it like some sort of Roman helmet? Not at the moment. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it later to like freak him out. But I'm not gonna just wear it now because it's gross. It's like it's not gonna be fun to wear, but it's gonna be worth it for the screams. <laughs> so you what, like strapping it to your back? Are you dragging it along in one arm behind you? Yeah, I'm going to strap it. Yeah. So as you as you take two leather thongs and you weave them in and around the eye sockets and up and over under your armpits and over your shoulders, you're now wearing it like like a sixth former's backpack <laughs> in a private school. Uh, you know, both straps, not one strap, two straps, 
like all proper privately educated kids. I like to th- I like to think that it's riding up super high like <laughs> As you swing around, it's got two razor sharp like stag horns <laughs> on the side of every one ducks except Tatty, who's short enough that he won't get taken out as everyone else ducks every time you turn around. Um, as you look up the hill towards the estate, you just see the fleeing forms of goblins running up the slopes of the vineyard. That makes sense. As you look behind you, just as the afternoon starts wearing on and the sun is coming down, you can see the crackling fires in the top of the, the pine trees with the wood uh, where you've set fire. But Belsiar's fire is slowly spreading through the wood. <laughs> Countless woodland creatures burning up. <laughs> yes. Belsi, our master of deforestation. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Tati's gonna point at the point at the at the manor and just say, We're all ready and just like start heading in that direction. We need like a blastoise that just like cleans up after us. <laughs> A cleanup crew, but it's just a big old Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to blast noise. So, so just out of interest, where, where as you move up the hill, I mean, all kind of stealth is sort of gone to by the wayside um, as you 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 make your way up the hill. I mean, there's just no point in subtlety at this point. Mm. People know you're there. I mean. There's a dead creature in the middle of the grounds. The goblins have all finished their shift early and the woodland on the edge of the estate is currently on fire as a nasty, acrid kind of smoke cloud is slowly drifting across the valley. And um, I imagine it would smell quite pleasant. That natural wood would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> have you considered a career in politics putting a positive spin on a tragedy? That's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, not crisis con. That's different. Definitely politics. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> smells like a Yankee candle. Just smells like disappointment. And <laughs> as the bumblebee, leaning heavily on Maud, looks at you, Tatty, and and says, "It's good to see you are recovering from your moment that you had. What is the plan?" Well, I mean. Like the like the voice of God in my head just 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 told me. I think all pretenses of stealth are kind of out the window now. So maybe we all just bust in the front door. I mean, I can I can clamber up and get in through one of the windows if you think it would be helpful. But to be honest, I think we might as well just rush them. She, we, we whilst you're saying this, she pulls out a bottle from her hip pulls the cork out with her mouth, spits it out, glugs down a healing potion. As she looks down at her thigh, she shakes out her thigh, which a moment ago was like cut to the quick, as a bit like, you know, in like football where someone gets scythed down and they roll around on the floor screaming and then five <laughs> seconds later they realise the referee's not noticed and they just get back up and walk off. She's got yeah, that off. She just shakes it off. Yeah. Just like a dog shaking it off after taking a piss. She shakes off her bad leg puts a bit of weight on it and it's like good to go don't know why I didn't do that earlier not sure why I waited to walk all the way up the slope in agony holding on to the tiefling over here but I've healed myself 
But Honosh walks up to a bull and we're like, not bad for a first fight, Badger. And then, like, hits her on the, on the arm like she's holding, maybe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she looks at you. You see that kind of thing, like, almost very little's going on on her face, but her eye twitches slightly, <laughs> which is the tell that she's, you know, furious with you. As she looks over at you, pauses for a moment, and is like, I'm starting to warm to you. Oh, sweetheart. I think she likes you. We'll talk about your toxic masculinity later. In the meantime, (laughs) Gnome, you tell me. The goblins live underneath the manor. If you have plans to burn down the manor, I would evacuate the goblins first. Otherwise, yet more goblin deaths will be on your shoulders. Excuse excuse me, Bumblebee. You don't evacuate the goblins unless you want to kill them. You would evacuate the manor. <laughs> I see. Biologically, I think you have a point there, but I'm not sure what you mean. But yes, it's, in, it's important we, we can... about the words that you use, Eliza. Now, now, let's go. Aristobulus is great to command yet. Just, just commands an entire manor filled with goblins to evacuate. And they'll go. As Aristobulus just screams dysentery at the top of his voice. <laughs> A brown river runs down. Um, no. As she says, Grandma may save lives, but in all seriousness. What are we doing? What is the move? Do we go, do we save the goblins under the manor, or do we seek vengeance? The move is up to you. But the goat has well and truly bolted from the stable, and there is no point in shutting the door now. Poor choice of words. We save the goblins. That's the, that's the first objective. So we go in, and we, and we, and we find a way into the, the underground bit where the goblins are being held. We save them and we kill anyone who tries to stop us, essentially. Does that does that feel like a problem? Not to me. I have right. a malleable sense of ethics. Um, if we wish to, yes. Do you know what? I was hoping to be back home in time for dinner, but it is rapidly looking like this may require overtime. So, let's push on whilst momentum is with us. All right, time to go to work. And we... Rush off to the the entrance to the manor. I uh, put my hands on my handkerchief and like time for school. <laughs> and then I phenomenal. <laughs> 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 uh, when you say the front of the manor, this is the back of the manor. The front of the manor is on the other side. You're on the rear view slope of the manor. Oh. You see as you climb up the hill, where the vineyard stops there is a small kind of garden between the, the, the between the edge of the manor house and the vineyard proper as you find yourself walking between um, carts and crates loaded up with grapes which have all been abandoned now as all the staff appear to have run off as you stand looking up at the manor proper you see you know as many stories high beautifully bricked with gargoyles and you know slate roof and you see to the left hand side where some of the goblins are still hurriedly vanishing into a large door to the left of the manor, which must be leading to the underground sanctuary for the goblins. So they're running in there from outside? Hmm. 
Yeah, and that's their like underground bit where the where the workers are being kept. Okay, I think maybe we go in there first. We tell them what's going on uh, and try and get them out, and then we can we can do what we want with the manor itself. Should I stand guard outside just in case we all go in and then they just lock the door from outside? Yeah, that's a good idea. I think maybe if you and you and Bumblebee. Uh, stand guard outside and I give, sure. you a, I give you a little wink <laughs> there's an awkward romance coming here <laughs> me, Belsiar, Aristobulus and Maud will um, will go down to where the goblins are I think I'll leave Barbara with you as well oh that's nice yeah. have you still got the map? So the underground the underground map I can get it now cool but yeah we'll go downstairs there's the underground one so you come in the top so you see the stairs at the top leading down into the first antechamber as you make your way down through the gloom and darkness you see there are like spluttering tallow candles on the walls on holders as you get down below the manor proper after going down a, a fairly hefty flight of stairs it actually gets warmer the deeper you go it actually gets hotter and warmer with all the kind of like carbon dioxide of hundreds of bloody goblins kicking out of it as you make your way down you, you find yourself in a kind of entrance way where there are lots of like tables and boards there's almost like chalkboards on the wall with different names and different duties and rotors on and you see a big kind of tome book with a quill and ink bottle near it on a table that appears to have been abandoned as you see goblins running in all directions a bit like if you upturn an ant's nest there's just like chaos as the ants run around like wildly you see goblins running in all directions as they see you they kind of skitter off trying to stay out of your way and stay into the shadows as you hear lots of kind of like little little kind of snippets of conversation of goblins as you know these like little I always go for light it's like hooty me as they're kind of like (laughs) I knew you were going to do that but they're they're literally like (laughs) what is happening oh no as you just see them all like running around as like you hear like a little goblin like running he's dragging a sack with all his possessions as you just hear him going shit 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 (laughs) as he's like dragging a sack which is far too heavy for him as he's trying to make his way out through the exit as he clunks up the stairs with a heavy hessian sack full of his life's possessions um I think if there's if people could potentially hear us from like this this entrance room, I'm just gonna call out in Goblin and just be like, "Hello, um, we we killed the giant guard dog outside, and we'd like to make sure that all of you are freed from this horrible place uh, before we get rid of the Stank family." We might burn down the manor, or we well, we could leave it for you to live in if that's something you'd like. I just I'm trying to I'm trying to communicate to like as many of them as I can to like spread spread information. Maybe a performance check or persuasion or persuasion if you wish. Yeah, twenty one. Twenty one. As the goblins stop to listen to you, some of them heeding your advice some of them just carrying on like packing up stuff as you see an elderly goblin with a cane hobble towards you and you see one side of his face has been like 
scarred away and there's just one like snow blind eye on one side as he hobbles towards you and says do you really think it'll do much good better the devil you know than the devil you don't how about no devil at all we could we could leave the manor standing and you could you could live here without anyone to rule over you this could be your this could be your place could be our place but he looks around at some of the younger goblins who are running around like you know like imbeciles as he's like they've never known anything other than this what life do you think they'll have in the wild I mean they could who's going to look after them I mean you could you could use whatever money the stanks have got in their estate to to live on and keep them here give them a home to live in you don't have to live out in the wild um you know we kind of just want to get community won't come the moment you topple the stanks the wixleys of the Tavistocks will come and they will take this estate and they will take the goblins. It is easy enough to murder people, but there will be consequences for us, one way or another. I have a modest proposal, says Belsia, stepping forward. We're a reasonably wealthy group of private investors. We could take over the running of the estate. He looks at you, cocks a head to one side, thinks, rubs the stubble on his chin. He's got like a sort of white, greyish stubble on his chin. He reaches out this clawed green knobbling hand and is like Well met. My name is Snatch. (laughs) Well met, Snatch. (laughs) Thank you. His grip feels pathetic and weak. Um, his grip is so old, it's a bit like, you know, when you're at the fairground, you've got that shitty claw game where you just waft it around and try and pick up a teddy bear. He's, he's, he's got like the, the, there's no grip left in him. As his, um, you shake hands with him. He's like, what is your name? Sorry, what was your name? My name is Snatch. Oh, your name. Me, me, Belsia. Oh. He looks around at the rest of you like, is this guy mental? <laughs> As he's... He's... Uh, you are proposing to run this estate? Yeah, I think we could put down some, like, a down payment for armed guards, other expenses, things like that. We'd, we'd make this, like, okay. a, you know... We could use this place as a, as a as a home base of sorts, and you could keep it running for us if we pay you a, a stipend. So, do you have previous experience running vineyards? I I've drank a lot of wine. Um, <laughs> He's drank a lot of wine. Look, looking at your pallid complexion and the fact you're still sweating balls, he's like, "It looks like you've done more than just drink wine." Yeah, I think the last barrel was a little off. But if I hear your proposal correctly, you are asking us to trust in you, to put our belief in you, our futures in you. Yeah, exactly. You will protect us from consequence that comes from outside of the stanks. Yeah. I'm sure there'd be lots of narrative potential to be to be to be mined from that. Are you, are you just talking to yourself in the corner? Yeah. <laughs> just breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> the most meta thing I've ever heard, and also the best description of who we are. Pelsia's like, 
I could pen this in my best-selling autobiography one day. In the in the roles we play in our lives, <laughs> in this in the game, this is our life. As he looks over, he says, "Well, I believe I have the voice of the goblins here, for Snatch has authority. <laughs> for there is one Snatch to rule them all." Good lord. <laughs> Um, I'm going to just like reach out and shake his hand and and say if we have a if we have a deal um, what would you what would you have us do with the members of the Stank family that are running around in the manor upstairs because we have some ideas well I can tell you now that not all of the Stanks are here Silas and Cecilia are away on business Enid Lionel and Queenie are here. So you may deal with them as you see fit. They've never been anything other than horrible, vicious masters to us. Deal them the justice that you feel appropriate. Okay. But be warned, Silas and Cecilia are currently away on a couple's retreat yoga weekend. <laughs> so when you said on business, they're really on holiday. Oh no, sorry, they run couples retreats. Like they they Yes. When wow. when Silas handed over the running of the vineyard to Lionel and Queenie, it's because he wanted to pursue his one true passion. Of running couples. Good relationship, weekend. health and couples and Pilates. So they run weekend escapes with it anyway, we get off topic. Yeah, he's either a cult leader or he's he's genuinely turned over a new leaf. Uh, yeah, we'll deal with Silas and Cecilia when they get back. But at Enid, Lionel, and the other one, I think we'll probably just Queenie. kill them. Queenie, that's it. We'll probably just kill them. Um, there's there's no issue with that. If they're horrible people, then they deserve to die. Um, I would ask um, if there is one particular goblin that I need to talk to that um, as well as making sure the rest of you are safe, I do need to talk to Toad Flaps um, if she's ah, Toad Flaps if she's around a singular goblin come with me as he leads you out of the room to the door on the left hand side as you come through a set of wooden double doors you open up into a ginormous dormitory um, with a set of bunks on the left and a set of bunks on the right as he leads you over to the right-hand side as he's like, here is the female dormitory. As you weave between... Some of the bunks have been knocked over. There's cases cracked open with, like, socks and scarves and all sorts of shit strewn around all over the place. There's a half-eaten meal spilt. There's a wheel of cheese with a single slice missing out of it that someone's hurriedly left in their inventory. As you make your way to the corner as you see a small goblin slowly rooting around through a kind of like ottoman as he's like there she is that is toad flaps what a helpful snatch uh, at this point Tati is, is now like so it felt like a good idea to free <clears throat> toad flaps as well as well as the rest of these goblins now Standing in front of this this 
uh, daughter of a person that he killed is now just like, I have no idea how to talk about this. <laughs> but I will barrel through nonetheless. I'm gonna... How old How old does Toadflaps look? Is she like a child or... Uh, youngish, not a child, like a young adult. Yeah, I'll walk up and, and say, um, Hi, uh, Toadflaps. I, I, I assume you've heard everything that's going on upstairs. She freezes like she's in trouble. No, no, no. Drops Nothing. what's... Nothing's, nothing's wrong. Take whatever, take whatever you want. I, I, don't, I don't care. As she spins around, stares at you, fear on her face, as suddenly a smile cracks across her face as she sees you, and she just says, Oh, hello! It's so nice to see you! And Toad Flaps! And that's where we're going to leave this week's episode. I think that I think that accent is is uh, is colloquially known as the tension cutter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's so exciting to I see <laughs> Billy Connolly. Right, excellent. <laughs> right, there we go, listeners. That we should really pause there because uh, we have lives and families and things to get on with. But that's about all we can hope to achieve for one. Day. I think you got quite a lot out of us there. You got a bit of combat, you got some actual role playing, you had some fucking taxidermy, yeah. you had all sorts. <clears throat> Just crippling tension and, um, you know, almost the completion of a story arc here. So, you know, lots of good stuff. But all good things must come to an end. That's all we can do. So, you might as well all go home now. Massive thanks for joining us for another dollop of fun-packed fantasy fucknuggetry this week. Seeing as you made it this far, why not consider hitting that subscribe button and never miss another episode again? But yet, if you're feeling fruity, why not give us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you are on? All your reviews and recommendations go a long way towards spreading the word of our misadventures far and wide. If you fancy chatting to us about anything you've heard across the course of this episode, your best bet is to find us on Twitter at AdventurersANO1. Or you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, God knows where else. We're smattered around all over the place. So, that just leaves time for us to say a huge goodbye from all of us. It's a massive goodbye. From your favourite crocoball, Mr. Matt Durant. Bye. Farewell. <laughs> Adieu. It's a massive goodbye from your favourite rag. Au revoir. And it is the traditional goodbye from Mr. Neil. Goodbye, my precious blueberries. He said it. He said the line. it's copyrighted with any luck we'll see you back here next week happy and adventuring my friends and remember stay Stay right Matt you gonna sing us out um no I I had a piece at the beginning I can't think what it was now have you have you snapped a string I I have a, a G string you snapped your G-string. Yeah, snapped my G-string, so I can't play as that. That's an important string. Jesus Christ. Mr. Rag looks like he's broken his banjo string.
Right. Wow. There we go. Wow. Nothing more can be achieved here. Right, listeners, piss off, go home. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) Off your fuck. (laughs) Off your fuck. (laughs) 